0: Hello, and welcome to the DFS Coach Talk podcast. Today is May 9th. Uh, it's Saturday. It's a weekend day. I'm joined by my good buddy, Santino Cocone. Uh, we're here to break down some wonderful Bears action for you guys. The uh, Bears, Santino. I'm, I'm excited to talk about them just because I get to get my Dick, uh, Fred Caliendo, da <laughs> Bears on. But how are you doing today, man? How's your day going? It looks like we got a nice day to look
1: forward to over here in Connecticut. But uh, yeah. how, how are we? Uh, doing pretty well. Well, it's kind of crappy out up here. It's a little rainy. It's freezing. Um, but yeah, I'm doing well. Yesterday was, wasn't bad. i uh, looking forward to the bears as well. There's quite a few people that I'm interested in talking about on the bears. And then there's a quite a few people that, uh, I don't really want to talk about, but we have to, <laughs> then that's, that's kind of
0: the, the theme of this podcast today. We were talking about it a little bit more on there. It feels like we have more bad things to say than good things to say about this team overall. Uh, but Hey, there's little nuggets, uh, that we could take away in all that, I guess, with teams going against the bears, uh, you know, for DFS and then, uh, you know, possible changes that we might see at the beginning of the season or possibly three, four games in. So we do have a lot to talk about. They've had some, uh, some decent changes in the off season, especially on their defense Some of the bigger names, uh, finding new homes. But, uh, just a quick brief overview bears went eight and eight last season, uh, I guess we could say it was a disappointing season just prior going 12 and four. Uh, They were pretty much expected to have the best defense and it it was set in stone, Santino. I think you can agree with that. It wasn't even up for debate
1: going into the last season that they had the best defense, right? Uh, Yeah. I mean, what Khalil Mack did when he came over that first season and Floyd and everybody else, uh, Kyle Fuller, et cetera, that defense was phenomenal. And they were getting so many takeaways and just not even giving up the yardage. Um, last year we'll, we'll get into it. Their takeaways went down. They didn't get the big plays that they were getting two years ago. And a lot of it has to do, uh, with just unfortunate luck and, um, giving up more points than they did last year it has to do with field position and not being able to, to sustain drives and being put in bad spots. And we will get to that and why they were there. Um, but a good thing that they have, uh, they do have, an, they let go of four coaches last year are coming or in this off season, and they brought in a new offensive coordinator bill lazar and they brought in a new defensive coordinator uh chuck pagano the former colts coach um so we'll see what they can do and what they can bring into this defense and offense because mm-hmm. this team won 12 games in in 2018 uh last year was a big decline for them in terms of uh, winning and uh, just overall how they played so we'll see what th- these new changes do yeah, I'm a big Chucky P
0: kind of guy. Uh, I, I liked what Pagano was doing over there in Indianapolis for for quite some time but uh we'll just touch on real quick some of their numbers from last season as far as the bears offense uh they ranked 29th in the league with 280 points scored total uh and that you know matches uh just their 29th in total yards with 4749 total yards um as far as passing goes for them they ranked uh 14th in the league in pass attempts 580 i was actually expecting that to just be somewhat higher but i think we're we'll both allude to why why it is a little bit lower <laughs> uh yards three uh passing yards 3291 ranked them f- 25th total touchdowns 20 passing touchdowns 25th and that and 15th in the league in interceptions with 12 thrown rushing uh 20th in the league with 390 or I'm sorry yep 395 total rushing attempts 27th in the league with 1458 total rushing yards and then 28th in the league in rushing touchdowns only eight of those so yeah. that's kind of where their offense stacks up and uh the the defense a little bit different i'm sorry
1: you want you want to jump in on that yeah yeah, just to to limit how bad their offense was and how bad they didn't create big plays uh 29th in the league in plays for 20 plus yards or more they only had 39 of those um 28th in the league in first downs they only had 297 first downs um and literally last in the league with two plays over 40 plus yards on the season so they not only were they not sustaining drives they weren't generating big plays and it's just if if you do both of those uh, you can possibly live without one or the other but if you can't sustain drives or create big plays uh, this is what happens you just have a bad overall offense and that's
0: like such a shocking stat to hear, <laughs> just thinking of like some of the playmakers that they have, some of the skill position players they have with Allen Robinson and Tariq Cohen. We're talking about two guys where you just put the ball in their hands inside five yards and they can make plays happen, they can make guys miss. And the fact that they couldn't get two more than two plays over 40 yards with both those guys. When you're force feeding both those guys, just looking at their yeah. receptions, um, it's telling. It just basically says the writing was on the wall for defenses coming in that they knew how to target this uh, offense, they knew where to, keep, you know, how to spy it, where to look. And yeah. um, I know we were. I don't want to keep letting yeah. the cat out of the bag too early uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, I know we'll that's get into that it. We- We're really enticing to say. But as far as their defensive ranks, uh, a little bit better. You know, they ranked fourth best in total points um, allowed with 298. Uh, Eighth best in total yards allowed 5,186. When it comes to passing defense, uh, 21st uh, best in attempts, 571. I think that just goes to show you that they could not sustain drives. Uh, But they were ninth best in total yards allowed through the air, 3,554. And this is a nice stat. 14th best in passing touchdowns so uh only allowed 17 touchdowns through the air and uh most of the damage that they did was probably being allowed on the ground with 20 uh 10 total touchdowns allowed on the ground which ranked uh, i'm sorry 10 total interceptions uh 25th we talked about the takeaways uh they struggled with takeaways despite having a pretty good passing defense and then for rushing uh they ranked uh 15th allowing 414 rushing attempts 26th, allowing 1,632 rushing yards, and they ranked 26th, allowing 16 rushing touchdowns. So that's kind of where their Achilles heel was, was stopping the run. Uh, You know, Khalil Mack, always notoriously known for being able to get after the quarterback, and that was primarily his job. I'm sure if he wanted to, uh, you know, ease back on the sack totals, they'd have a little bit better of a linebacker, but uh, he's good at what he does, and he's, he's literally one of the best at getting after quarterback, and that's probably one of the you know, the only positives we could say about their their total pass rush last season. But so that's yep. the uh, you know, the premise of what we were looking at last season when it came to the Bears eight and eight overall record. A lot of things that we can see that they could improve on some things, bad luck, some things field position. But we're going to jump right into it, Santino. And it's uh, the topic on everybody's mind. And it's the quarterback play. Um, uh, you know, if you're a Bears fan, you know who, you're, who you were blaming last <laughs> season. And if you weren't a Bears fan you pretty much knew who you were blaming last season. And that's our good old buddy, Mitch Trubisky, the former first overall pick and what was a loaded quarterback draft class. So uh, I'll let you jump right into good old Mitch. Uh, give us your thoughts on how he performed last season, where he could possibly improve and what your overall outlook is on the 2020 season for
1: him. Um, so they, they made a couple changes on offense. Uh, not too huge. I mean, Kyle Long was, was just beat up last year and he's gone. So, and Coward's probably going to be on the bench for Ifedi. And Taylor Gabriel pretty much swapped out with Ted Ginn. They're similar players. One's just a little bit older and and taller, and that's it. Like that
0: Spider-Man meme when they're
1: just (laughs) running at each other. (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty much the same guys. Uh, As for Trubisky... um, This is it, man. This is his last draw. He's coming into his fourth season now. He had one of the worst seasons last year. Uh, we mentioned it. They, they can't sustain drives. Not only can they not sustain drives, he's not getting generating big plays. Not only is he not generating big plays and sustaining drives, his throws are just awful. Um, some of that had to do with a bad line as as they were 29th in the league in pressure, and he only had 2.3 seconds to throw before uh, the pocket collapsed, which that's terrible too. Uh, so not all of it's on him. Some of it was play calling because we'll get into it with the running back situation, but depending on who you see in that running back huddle, you know what play is coming. If David Montgomery's out there, it's going to be a run, and it's probably going to go to him. We'll explain a little bit more. Tariq Cohen's out there. You're going to be passing the ball, so it's very easy to just tell everybody to peel their ears back and go after the quarterback. It was just very obvious knowing what was coming, uh, but as far as Trubisky, man, let's look at his last two years. We'll, we'll, as a rookie quarterback and you struggle as a rookie quarterback, that's perfectly fine. It's, it's what happens, but uh, I sounded like John Gruden there. Let's look at, it. Let's look at his uh, statistics, man. <laughs> well, I'll
0: tell you, that spider, uh, spider <laughs> yeah. right to
1: banana. But uh, 2018, he had four multi-interception games, not good. Uh, he, only, he had seven multi-touchdown games, pretty good. But he had 3,223 yards, 24 touchdowns, uh, or 24 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 421 rush yards, and another three. He had uh, six fumbles, 24 sacks. But the writing was on the wall there. If you didn't see that he had, um, he was pretty lucky in that one game where he had 600 touchdowns in a 300-yard game. Or six six hundred six touchdowns. You take out that one game against the Bucks, he has an eighteen to twelve interception touchdown to interception ratio, uh, and only three games over three hundred yards. Not something that you really want. And that also that game he had fifty three rush yards, which was the second highest on the year. Take out that game, and he's just uh, he's what eighteen hundred yards, a little over eighteen hundred or two thousand eight hundred yards, and eighteen to twelve touchdown to interception ratio. Not great, not something that you can count on, but you saw the improvement and you saw that, okay, maybe this guy's figuring it out in his second year. Last year, no. You saw how bad this guy was, and if he doesn't show anything in camp, I can't imagine that they're going to hand him the starting job. I know he's a former first-round pick a couple years ago, but you traded a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles for a reason. One, to light a fire under him. Two, if he's not going to improve whatsoever – you have someone to play there. You have a guy who's won a Super Bowl. You have a guy who's been to the playoffs. You got you have a guy who in 2018 beat this team in the playoffs. The double doink. <laughs> I love that quote. But um, you have a guy who who knows how to win games. Um, and if Trubisky doesn't show that he can do this in the summer or in the first couple weeks, if he gets the starting job, I'm assuming it's going to be a quarterback battle. If you don't play Foles, this team is going to be very upset. You're going to lose the locker room, continuing to try and play a guy who has a high draft predigree, who's just not doing it. And last year, two multi-interception games. He improved on that from four to two. But he only, he had five touchdown, uh, multi-touchdown games, two games with th- over 300 yards. That's very hard. When he was 14th in the league in pass attempts, he only had two games over 300 pass yards in today's offense. And – um. 17 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He did play through a shoulder injury. He dislocated his shoulder, had a torn labrum. But the the most telling stat, and I wanted to save it for last. We'll get into his numbers a little bit, but he had seven games, seven of 15 games, almost half, where he did not throw a touchdown pass. He did not rush for a touchdown, and he did not throw for a touchdown. If I'm playing DFS, fantasy, real life, whatever, if I, no matter what, if I'm just picking up quarterbacks off the street, I need you to get in the end zone more than half the time. You can't go seven games without getting your team in the end zone or be, be responsible or one half of getting the team in the end zone. That's just embarrassing. That's embarrassingly bad, and I'll leave it at that. Um, Trubisky was down, downright terrible last year. If you look at all of his stats, well, you, we can look into it, but – everything was bad. Uh, That's all I can say about it. Yeah.
0: And that's kind of what we were alluding to right off the rip, (laughs) that a lot of last season's play has to be taken with a grain of salt right now. It's, uh, you know, we're, we're looking at their, you know, the, the overall receiving numbers. I mean, outside of the running backs, they didn't really have any uh, receiver that had a catch percentage over 65%. And now can we say that is the receivers fault? Probably not. That's a lot of just bad, poorly thrown balls, ones that hit their fingertips that count as catchable passes. But in reality, they could have been thrown behind them, uh, overled, whatever it may be. Uh, that's why I was kind of scoffing at the fact when they bring in a guy like Ted Ginnam, Oh yeah, we have that deep threat. Now the guy that's been that's notoriously known as one of the fastest men in the leagues with the worst hands, uh, is gonna be lining up on the outside and with a quarterback who's, you know, more more notably known for uh under and overthrowing his deep ball receivers. So I don't know how that's gonna exactly pan out. I think we have a you know, we were talking a little bit more on air about this quarterback battle coming to camp. I think me and you have two Slightly different tunes. Um, and I, I think that, you know, the leash might just be a little bit longer. Uh, and it's mostly just because of the way that the Bears organization has treated Trubisky. Just basically finding every excuse for why he's been playing so poorly. Trubisky. Yeah, <laughs> Tr- uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the shoulder injury, listen, the guy's a torn labrum. You sit him on the bench. You don't keep playing a guy through a torn labrum. I mean, I, I'm not saying he wasn't hurt. I, I just don't necessarily think maybe it was that that bad where it's like, all right, maybe it was because it was the bad labrum. And now I think they'll they'll put a little bit of blame on that new offensive coordinator change where it's like, OK, now we have to see how he reacts and how he performs under a new offensive coordinator, because that was clearly the reason why he was so bad. It was our it was our offensive coordinator. It was the torn labrum. It was the shoulder. No, this dude just struggles to make, you know, easy passes, easy throws that, you know, we see guys that are on like, you know, the 28th ranked offense make those yeah. throws. I mean, when we put him in this conversation of guys that, uh, you know, when he's 17th, the the 16 guys above him. All of them rightfully should be. But we're also talking about a guy that was the first overall pick at one point. So um, I'm at the point of where I think he's going to start the season as the opening day starter. I don't think the leash is going to be long once it, once he is that starter. I think that they're going to give him every opportunity to kind of, you know, steer the ship in the right direction. Um, but maybe, like you said, a bad camp of and, and the veterans speaking up even shortens that leash even longer so, or longer. Uh, Shortens the leech even longer. I don't think that made any sense. That's a new <laughs> apatry. But I think best case scenario, the Bears are kind of hoping... That he is Josh Allen, uh, you know, and, and Josh Allen at least has the athleticism, uh, he has the arm strength. Yes, the accuracy is not perfect, but Trubisky doesn't have any of the other intangibles that Josh Allen has right now. And, tr- and Josh Allen also wasn't playing on a twelve and four team uh, in 2018.
1: So I, I, that's the way jo- I look at it. Josh Allen's also not afraid to throw deep ball. Um, let's I'll, I'll break down a couple things on Mitch Trubisky that just shows how bad he really was. I mean, the 17 touchdowns he was. 28th in the league and 17 touchdowns in 15 games but 10 picks in 15 games that's that's terrible too uh but yards after the catch per completion he ranked 30th in the league at 4.3 uh that could i mean matt ryan was down there too that could be just uh not his fault maybe they're just not getting uh, his receivers or playmakers weren't getting the plays after the catch but it also could be he wasn't leading them into throws he was waiting for them to uh, be standard he was throwing Uh, Very short throws, which I'll get to right now. His air yards per completion were 29th in the league at 5.3 yards. So anytime he completed a pass on average, it only traveled 5.3 yards, which he was pretty much dinking and dunking all all year. Uh, His complete his air yards per pass attempt, which were even worse. 30th uh, at 3.4 so that he wasn't looking down the field whatsoever to anybody uh, that's why Tariq Cohen had the second most targets on the team which is pretty embarrassing um, and it, it just goes a little bit even more uh, that he wasn't taking chances he was just dinking and dunking and And he wasn't finding results. He was getting pressured and he was getting nervous and he was just throwing to whoever was closest to him. He wasn't leading his receivers uh, to open areas where they can catch the ball and be dangerous. I mean, you have you mentioned Allen Robinson's dangerous with the ball in his hands. Uh, Anthony Miller's a speedster. Tariq Cohen's is dangerous with the ball in his hands. He's he's shown that on special teams and offense throughout the year. Um, But this guy just wasn't doing it. And bringing in Nick Foles, like you said, he's going to light a fire under him. And if it doesn't, then get, get him out of there. Um, not only was the offense very predictable, which could explain why Trubisky was so bad, because we know anytime David Montgomery was on the field, it was going to go to him or it was a run play. And anytime Cohen was on the field, it was going to be a pass play. So it was just very easy. But still, uh, you, you can't live with a guy. Be, quarterback is the most – important position on the team. They have the ball in their hands every single play, even if it's just a handoff. Uh, They're controlling the field. Everybody's listening to you in the huddle. You can't have a guy who's the worst player on your team being the most important position on your team. And that's flat out the easiest and uh, (laughs) most accurate way you can say it.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm not going to dispute that, but I will play a little devil's adv- uh, <laughs> advocacy just for the, you know, the simple. Sh- we have to. Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, there's, we ha- we there's some to. people that th- they might be hiding under rocks right now, but there's probably still one or two Trubisky truthers out there who still <laughs> have his back. So for those guys, I'll speak up just because he didn't have any time. He had zero pass protection. Uh, You know, I think they were 29th in the league when it came to, uh, you know, the amount of time he actually had to throw a pass and it was 2.37 seconds. So uh, a lot of that could be said just because he had a, you know, Montgomery when he was on the field pass protecting, he's a rookie. Uh, You know, we're talking about a guy that, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience in that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of role. And then when the the other guy that they had was about a 5'5 speedster stat back. So that wasn't happening. You talked about long injuries throughout the year. So, um, you know, they didn't really go out and make a concerted effort to improve the offensive line in a way that I would like to, uh, you know, as much as I I thought they needed to. But uh, could we say that maybe a lot of those errant throws, those bad throws were just simply because he didn't have enough time in the pocket coupled with playing with the torn labrum um, or would you just say that he stinks
1: uh, a little bit of both but mainly stinks <laughs> <laughs> i mean i'm not going to put the entire blame on him but uh he's just you have a defense at this great you should not be str- if you can't all you have to do with a defense like this is sustain drives keep the ball going get some points on the board whether it's field goals um, get into the red zone play the field position game if you can't, if you're in the bottom three in the league in first downs and big plays and and uh, completion percentage, quarterback rating, uh, anything, you you can't win a game like that. And you have this stud defense behind you to to help you out. And yeah, it still didn't work out for them. Yeah, it's it's the, I mean. When we talk about
0: inaccuracy quarterbacks, he was 17th in the league when it comes to you know percentage of his throws that were actually considered on target. 74.5 uh, percent of his throws were actually considered on target. And that may sound like it's actually, you know, pretty good. Uh, no, when you look at all the guys that are uh, ranking above him, um, they're all on contending teams. And it's for a reason. You know, the Bears are a contending team. You can't get by with having on target throws like that on a contending
1: team. That's how you go 12 and four to eight and eight. 17th isn't terrible but when you look at how far those passes were going less than five yards in the air then it's it's terrible because he's he's only he's only on target 70 percent of the time yet he's not throwing past the first down marker so that that just shows how bad he was like if if you're right next to me if you're five feet from me I should be able to be on target 80 90 percent of the time if I'm a competent quarterback and I'm sorry Mitch Trubisky but you were not that last year
0: Another another little telling. stat for <laughs> So you're talking about air yards. So his intended air yards last season, Santino, four thousand one hundred and eight intended air yards. Uh, let's just put this into a sample size. I know he may have thrown for the most amount of passing yards last season with Jamin Winston, Jameis Winston thrown, I think, for over five thousand yards. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're talking about a guy who has, you know, less intended air yards than I would say what half the league had in actual passing yards uh that's yeah, a just deal. a that's just a that's just a little bit of a telling stat that you know we're you know take out his total passing yards the, you, you hit the nail on the head dude he's not even trying to throw the ball past you know 10 yards past the line of scrimmage at this point um i just think that it, it's it could have been a product of the system you know whether the, they entrust him to make these throws or they wanted to limit his mistakes and because like you said, they're a competent team. You really only need to game manage when you have a defense like that yeah. surrounding you. They went out of their way. They got the running back that they wanted, that they hoped would be a game changer, because that was a position that they saw they were struggling with over the past few seasons as Forte was starting to age and found a new home in, in the Jets. They never really kind of you know hunkered down another
1: stable, uh, reliable running back. So they went out and they got their guy. And you but, have three receivers. Your top three receivers are all deep threats. Miller, Robinson, Gabriel last year. So why isn't he taking those deep shots? But um, I think we've harped on how bad Trubisky was enough. He's not going to get better. Uh, I I guess we can move into Nick Falls, the guy that uh, is is coming in to either compete or take his job outright. I know we have a little bit different views on this, but – it's pretty similar. I mean, they're gonna want to give Trubisky the one last chance. It's his final chance. If he could show it, it's like uh, the final boss. You got, you only get so many lives in this league. Uh, this is it. If you can't show it, now we have a competent quarterback. Uh, I know you're gonna, you might mention Chase Daniels for a second on how he did better in his one cameo game than uh, <laughs> Trubisky did in his 15. But uh, Nick Foles is is a definite improvement. Uh, he had Bad luck last year. He threw a touchdown. He threw a 70-yard touchdown in the first game of the season against the Chiefs and broke his collarbone on that touchdown pass. Uh, That's just it's unfortunate. But when he came back, he wasn't wasn't good. He flat out wasn't really good. Um, He had a very he he didn't look right. He didn't look like he was there. He just got kind of thrown into the fire as they were trying to uh, reach the playoff, like one last gasp for a playoff berth. They thought they could do it. But uh, he didn't fit, and it was Gardner. It was Minshew mania, so I don't even know why they tried to do it. Uh, Minshew was having his his way with the Jaguars. But, Let me uh, stop you real f-
0: quick right there, because I, I just want to talk about Minshew. Can you think of? Because I have one other, you know, recollection in sports where you could just talk about a guy who just came onto the scene out of nowhere, and yes, he he was playing well, but it was just sure like yeah. fan favoritism, and the only other guy in a sport Linsanity. that I insanity. It's jeremy Lynn exactly that's and that's exactly what's coming to my mind I can't think of another time where it's like people just rooting for this dude just because it's fun to watch and it's just a great yeah. story.
1: I was rooting for him too it was it was great to watch and that that mustache and his just whole demeanor was something uh out of nowhere and it, it, you just didn't expect it but he he was really fun to root for um so was, so was Lynn, but yeah, so uh Foles got hurt um and then he was traded for a fourth-round pick this year to, like we we mentioned a few times, he's either going to start or push him. Or you think he might be in the first six weeks. I might I think he might even start earlier. Uh, depending, It all depends on Mitch Trubisky uh, and how well he adapts to Bill Lazars um, as a new offensive coordinator. Well, let's just talk about Foles a little bit. Uh, he hasn't played regularly. He wasn't a starter uh, since those, since Chip Kelly days back in the day, and he was really good. But uh, when he took over in the 2017 playoffs, he became a legend. Or before that, he, he was struggling in the regular season, but in the playoffs, he became a legend, and I'll never yeah, be forgotten. Legendary
0: and, nickname that we can't say on air. Yeah, uh, just because he was swinging, man. He was swinging.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll we'll never forget that uh, magical playoff season or playoff run. He had 324 pass yards per game, uh, seven touchdowns. Uh, include one rushing, uh, one interception in those three games. And then in the 2018 regular season, he played another five games because uh, Wentz got hurt again. He averaged 283 pass yards per game, seven touchdowns, another one rushing, and four picks. Uh, not great, but, I mean, a lot better than Trubisky, and he's showing that uh, he's pretty pretty fantasy friendly because he, he can throw touchdowns. And then 2018 playoffs, when they beat the Bears, um, he threw four. Four picks that game, but he had three touchdowns or in his in his two games and and another one rushing. So he gets in the end zone with 234 yards passing each game. Uh, not a he's not great, but he can win you games and he knows how to win. He already he has a MVP or a Super Bowl on the on the mantle not too long ago, and he can show he can win games and be a competent quarterback. And he shows that uh, if Trubisky still falters, this is good news for a Miller. This is good news for an. Ant- uh, a Robinson. Um, is this good news for a Cohen and Montgomery? Uh, you know that he can get you the ball, and and he's going to look for you on on deeper routes. He's not going to just dink and dunk to you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'm I'm with you as far as um the way I look at it is is Nick Foles is what the Bears want Trubisky to be. Uh, the perfect type of game manager. Just a guy that you could see. You know they didn't need him to be. All star, you know, caliber, all, you know, all yeah. pro quarterback to win, the, you know, a championship, to win a Super Bowl. But he game managed and did all the things right. He didn't do too much wrong. And I think that's where this Bears team is at at this point, in this, this stage of, of where their franchise is, is that they have a lot, they have a great defense. They have a lot of skill position players. They have a lot of great tools, big playmakers around them that we just need to get the ball in these guys' right. hands. We just need to let them make the plays. And he seems like he's going to be the guy that, you know, if my prediction is if this if if Trubisky starts, you know, one in three, he's yanked. See you later. Uh, you're not sniffing field. He'll end up on like the Bills two, three years from now or the Jets two, three years from now, whatever it may be. Uh, one in two might even be enough to get him yanked out of there. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of. I'm kind of in camp with you, whereas I don't think he's going to have this job for long. I do think he'll start with it, and I think that's kind of where we're on the different, the different side. Do you think he has a chance to just lose it right out from underneath him before the season even starts? I think they'll give him a couple games, but uh, you're right. It Nick depends Foles, on how it, much
1: preseason we get and offseason work, because if mm-hmm. uh, if we don't have that, uh, you got to think Trubisky's the favorite, just because he, he's more familiar. I know it's new offensive coordinator, but he's more familiar with the team. Foles mm-hmm. doesn't even isn't have any routes down with anybody. Um, But yeah, if he falters one bit, you have this safe backup plan and that's what they needed.
0: Yeah, and if you're talking about like he doesn't have the routes necessarily down, uh, it's not hard to, you know. Uh, Did I, I think I might've, I think I might've lost you for a second real quick. But uh, what I was saying is uh, you know, we're talking about you know maybe Foles doesn't have these routes down with his receivers. It's probably not going to take him too long to learn how to throw a you know a quick button hook. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty that's pretty much all of his receivers were able to you know run pass. with him. <laughs> screen pass, button hook, even the slants. If you look at what Trubisky was doing over there, he couldn't hit a guy over the middle. He was leaving these guys up for these Anquan Boldin type hits where these guys wouldn't want to sacrifice their yeah. body across the middle for a seven yard gain on three and 13. Like that's not going to do <laughs> it for you guys. So uh, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not going to, you know, keep beating the the dead horse on, on yeah. Nick Foles. Let's just say that if, as far as DFS and, you know, season long fantasy is concerned, it's a major upgrade for everybody in that offense with Nick Foles. And that's not necessarily saying that Nick Foles is just light years ahead of, better than mitchell trubisky no but he has the intangibles and he has the arm strength and the accuracy to just take these guys to a level that we need to i mean we'll get to Allen robinson in a little while but this dude there's a receiver you feel bad for in the nfl it's got to be this guy because he just hasn't had a comparable quarterback throughout his entire career but is still putting up fantastic numbers when he's healthy so Um, I, I mean, we're, we're about halfway through our show and we just finished the quarterback section, (laughs) so we'll, we'll keep it moving. We'll slide right over to running back. I think you said a lot about Nick Foles. That was enough. I don't know if you have any other telling stats that you want, but we had a really small sample size. I mean, pretty much throughout this guy's career so far that we're going off of, but he's done well in the small sample sizes.
1: Yeah. The last sample size was chip Kelly like seven years ago. So, um, not too much to go off of. You just know that he knows how to win and something that Trubisky needs to learn. Yeah,
0: also slightly kind of looks like uh, Napoleon Dynamite. But yeah. <laughs> well, that, that doesn't have much fancy implication. So we'll slide over. We've been talking about Montgomery uh, at nausea so far, just about what he was able to do during his rookie season and I guess what was expected. I mean, he had some... He had a big role to fill. I mean, he came in there pretty much guaranteed a starting job, guaranteed a, a vast majority of the carries. And I think that's one thing that we can, I guess, take with a grain of salt is going into this season is that he has nobody to really compete for with goal line touches, with these, you know, first and second down touches. Um, and it, it, it's his job to, you know, pretty much lose. And I, I don't think they have anybody on that roster that's capable of taking that. I think he was going against Mike Davis uh, coming into the season. Yeah. And, that, lasted, that lasted all of a half a game, I think. <laughs> yeah. I think it was up until week one, they said, you'll know who the starter is by who gets the first carry of that game. And it was Mike Davis who got the carry
1: Yeah, uh,
0: first carry of last season, a first game, but that did not last long. I love this kid, Montgomery Santino. Um, You know, I, I think that if you just look at his, you know, yards per carry last season, all the stats, they're not telling you. And they're not indicative of what type of player he is. He didn't have blazing speed at the combine. Doesn't have, you know, bruley strength. He's not necessarily a bruiser. He's actually a little bit more of a smaller guy. Uh, but he's shifty, and I think with these smaller guys, you know, the way that he gets down low and the center of gravity has, yes, this dude can break tackles with the best of them. Um, but I'll just glance over his stats real quickly: 242 rushing attempts last season for eight hundred and eighty eight eighty nine yards, with eight touchdowns, averaged 3.7 yards per attempt, only fumbled the ball twice, so it's not like that's a major concern of his, as opposed to when we and you we were talking about uh, a guy like Chris Carson. But Uh, that's, that's one telling stat when, you know, nice segue, when it comes to broken tackles, he tied Chris Carson with 28 broken tackles. So he was tied in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Tied seventh in the league. But I think, I believe it was actually tied for third because there were so many guys that did have 28 and so many guys that were right there with him. And he did so, uh, and and not as many attempts And we look at, so, you know, the, the playmaking ability is there for him. It's not like he's going to break into the open field and have that brazen you know, blazing speed to break off these 60 to 80 yard touchdown runs that you know are great for DFS that we're looking for. But for a guy that should be able to just find his way to 4.2 to 4.4 yards per carry, he seems like he's that type of guy. Uh, He's never going to get it done for us in the air, though. We know why. It's not his role. It's not his job. They have Tariq Cohen for a reason. Only 25 receptions on 35 targets for 185 yards and a touchdown. Uh, uh, 267 uh, total touches. And he played and this is what I know you're, you're chomping at the bits to talk about 57% of the total snaps. But I think the, the big factor when we look at the bears is just their, their play selection and how, and how transparent it is by these snap shares, because basically uh, they're almost splitting carries or splitting snap shares. When we look at guys like Cohen uh, and and Montgomery and, you know, obviously Montgomery's is probably going to be a little bit more towards 60% while Cohen's more towards 40%. And that's because Cohen's mostly playing on third downs, but why don't you lead us into Montgomery and exactly, you know, what you're expecting from him this season uh, and maybe possibly how this new change in offensive coordinator could help him.
1: Yeah. I, I really like Montgomery too. Uh, I know he's not going to be, but he's very capable of being a three down back. Um, uh, I know you mentioned that he had 25 catches. He has smooth hands for for a running back, and he's he could run pretty good routes. Unfortunately, you have a guy in Tariq Cohen who is much better at both of those things, so he's not going to be that third down back. But if he had to be, he could definitely be it. Um, the final five weeks of the season – he had 4.3 yards per carry, so he started to figure it out. I expect that moving forward. Um, you mentioned the broken tackles. He was seventh in the league in uh, attempts per broken tackle. Every 8.6 rushes, he, had, he broke a tackle, uh, which was really good. He only averaged a meager 1.6 yards after contact, which um, as a rookie running back on a bad team, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Well, and keep in mind ben that, to, we, like yeah. we are talking about, when he's on the field, the box is probably
0: yeah, stacked. You know, it's you not know. easy.
1: Once you hit that linebacker, you're not getting too yeah. much further than that anyway. Exactly. And uh, But he was 13th in rush attempts with Tariq Cohen and with this offense struggling. So uh, I think there's only way to go is up. But as you mentioned, um, the things that I wanted to say is he got a carry on nearly 40% of his snaps. So 40% of the time this guy's in the lineup, he's getting a carry. That's just very obvious knowing that it's going to him. And then you add in his target share, um, he had 614 total snaps, 242 of those were carries, 35 of those are targets. If you add that together, that's a 45% 45 percent of plays where when this guy's in the lineup, the ball was going to him. That's just uh, – the defense knows what's coming. He, he did – he had nearly 900 yards and in, in, – a good amount of touchdowns when the defense knew that he was getting the ball nearly half the time he was in the lineup, which is fantastic when you think about it. Behind a bad offensive line and an incompetent quarterback, um, you put this guy on a different team with a different situation, those numbers are going to eye-pop you. But the good thing about DFS and fantasy is he's not going to be costing you uh, that elite running back level money that you would expect uh, coming into next year because we're going to look at his numbers and see, okay, he didn't do that great uh, but it wasn't bad so maybe he's middle of the pack type of guy there but uh, everything that this guy does I mean if you know coming into the offense too uh, when this guy comes out on the field okay it's 50 percent of the time it's going to be a run uh, or it's going to him and you you just got to target him that's that's something to think about Uh, hopefully Bill Izar can change that and hopefully uh, Matt Nagy who I think is a good offensive minded coach uh, they can work together and change the perception of what plays coming and and not let the defense know. But this guy has all the intangibles to break out in year two and you're going to get them very cheap, especially in the beginning of the season. He has a pretty good schedule. I think first week is going up against the lions, which he had one of his better games against the lions. Uh, And yeah, he's, he's some guy that I'm definitely targeting because I I see a a big jump, a big leap in year two, because I I expect them to not be so um, just open about what play call is coming yeah,'m I'm, I'm
0: I'm right there with you. He's a guy that coming into last season, that's exactly how I pegged him. I thought he was going to struggle a little bit during his rookie season, but the intangibles are there for this dude to break out this season. Um, one of my favorite running backs, for as far as season long leagues looking to look at. Um, and he's very easy to game script as far as DFS as well. And I think both these running backs that we're going to talk about are, I mean, when you're, when you're looking at a game where they're going to have the possible lead that they can grind the clock out, yeah, Montgomery is the guy that you're going to want. They're going to force feed this dude. He, he has no competition for goal line touches. He has no competition on first and second down. So uh, it's just, you know, looking for those yards per carry. And we saw throughout throughout his the season, you touched on it. Uh, The past the last few games, he was improving. He was getting better. It's a lot of it's just, you know, a rookie running back getting used to this professional level and this speed and this kind of system, Uh, getting used to, you know, we're looking at snap shares. The guy really never played more than 65 and 70 percent of the snap shares. That's not going to change. Let's be real with that, because Tariq Cohen is still there. But what he does on, you know, the 65 percent of the snaps or the 60 percent of the snaps that he's getting uh, is going to change. I, I definitely see room for improvement for him. Uh, I'm really excited about this kid. I think that he, he's he's going to be a talent. I don't know if he's going to be a guy that is a household name uh, for the next 10 years or anything. I don't think he's going to be like a Todd Gurley or a Christian McCaffrey or anything like that. But you touched on it. We're not going to be paying a premium for him. And if you see him in a matchup where you think the Bears can have this game well in hand, going against a poor defense, especially going against a poor uh, run defense or a team that's bad in the red zone when it comes to run defense. Um, that's the kind of situation I'm targeting. Definitely probably more of a fan FanDuel type player just because we know DK is giving you that extra PPR, that point point reception, and there's going to be so many guys above him. Yes, they're going to cost more who we could pretty much book for four or five catches a game. And that floor of just having a four or five point floor is insane because at best case scenario, you're looking at Montgomery probably catching two passes a game. Uh, so yeah. I'm, I'm with you, expecting big season, big improvement from him. I do love the change in offensive coordinator for him. You touched on Matt Nagy. I love Matt Nagy. I think he's a great head coach and a great offensive-minded head coach, and I think that he can easily, you know, get this team to steer the ship the right way going back. I, I'm expecting, you know, I think 10 wins would be pretty safe to say for the Bears after they're going 12 and 4 and then 8 and 8. We'll just split the difference, and if they get a,
1: if they're a 10 win team, uh, it, this guy's gonna probably be close to double digit touchdowns. Yeah. The last five weeks when he did improve to that 4.3 yards per carry, they were playing their best ball of the year besides the 3-1 and one start, which was more about the defense than it was about the offense. But their offense looked pretty good the last few weeks of the season. It looks like they clicked. Something was there, and it was this guy. He was leading the charge, making uh, him and Anthony Miller, who we'll get to when we talk about receivers, they started to figure it out, and they started to uh, be more productive with their, with their touches and, and the play calls.
0: All right. And um I mean we'll just jump right over to three Cohen. I, I think that's enough to be said about Montgomery. Uh, he's only I think stocks going up as far as, you know, Montgomery. Yeah. But when we talk about Cohen, only sixty four rushing attempts last season for two hundred and thirteen yards, didn't get a rushing touchdown. That's not why you played three cohen. Let's be real. Uh, you know, we'd like to see those maybe a little bit more than sixty four rushing attempts just for any running back. We're talking about bottom of the barrel backups. So I think Christian McCaffrey's running
1: back, backup running backs, had more uh, more carries than Cohen did in general, but
0: we, we, his yards per
1: carry dropped at 3.3 the first time it was below 4.3 for his career, so it was just a really downright bad year for him rushing the ball.
0: Yeah, and it, he would get those he would get once in a while those uh, try to disguise the play even though they were the most transparent play calling <laughs> team uh, in the NFL. Where it'd be like a third and ten, and all right, let's see Cohen, let's give it to him. They're gonna think we're gonna throw it to him, but we're gonna yeah. pat, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna hand it off to him. And uh, yeah, you know it, it's not going to go well. The, we already touched on their uh, their, their run blocking uh, already, but as far as passing, 104 targets, that's insane. Uh, we love to see that kind of work. Uh, 79 catches for 456 yards. That's not something we like to see. We'd like to see you know the yards per catch be a little bit better. Worst of his career, three touchdowns and. Uh, the most telling stat, 4.9 catches per game. We just talked about the floor in a PPR-type website like uh, DK. And When you say a guy's basically starting with a floor of five points, he's averaging 28.5 receiving yards per game. We're talking right there, he's got about eight points without a touchdown. Obviously, we'd like to see the touchdowns go up a little bit, but that's not a bad floor for a guy that you know you're not paying premium for. And we've already talked about how you can pretty much game script both these guys. If you think they're going to be behind in the game and they're going to be passing more, great spot to target Cohen. So why don't you talk to us about, you know, the kind of bounce back season you're expecting from Cohen coming from a 2018 season to a 2019 season now going into 2020.
1: Yeah. So last year he only had 669 scrimmage yards, which was easily the worst. He had as many touchdowns as he had fumbles. Uh, It was just a career worst year. And you touched on it. This is a guy that you're going to want to look at on a DK uh, because of that full point per reception. FanDuel only does the half. 104 targets, 79 catches, both second most on the team. Um, You you know the role he's going to come. When he comes in the lineup, it's probably going to be a pass, and a lot of the times, especially if it's Trubisky, who we mentioned, doesn't look down the field, he looks right at Tariq Cohen, who's going to be around the line of scrimmage or a couple yards down. Uh, And I expect... A lot, 669 yards, that's going to jump up. I, I I, would expect another 200 at the very least. Uh, this guy's very dangerous with the ball in his hands. He's very dangerous as a punt returner, kick returner, whenever he gets, whenever uh, he has those opportunities. But it's just, he had a bad year. He didn't, he didn't get those plays in the open, opens field. And he didn't make the most of them The mo- for the most part. At the end of the season, when the team started playing better, he started playing better as well. But you can't a, a pass catching specialist and a, a very talented scat back, uh, speed very speedy guy who can break out and um, break a long one for you. You want you expect 669 yards to just jump up. Uh, I three touchdowns. That was his career low as well. He can jump. He can get that to five six touchdowns. Uh, eight hundred nine hundred scrimmage yards. Um, I I expect a little bounce back for this guy and just like Montgomery he's going to be very cheap in the beginning of the year and that's when you want to target him the most I mean even even later in the year he's not going to be an expensive guy Uh, like you mentioned when when you think that the run defense that you're going up against is going to be uh, very good like Vikings if if you're playing the Vikings who have usually one of the best run defenses in the league uh, Tariq Cohen can it's he pretty much gets those screen passes which are kind of runs when how they play it but you're you're doing them to the outside and he's gonna he has a pretty safe floor in those matchups yeah and you're talking about a guy that has that big playability uh the longest
0: reception from scrimmage last season for him santino uh you might have it right in front of you but i'm just gonna ask you what do you what would you think it is i mean we already talked about how they only had two plays over 40 yards
1: yeah um, and I think I, I I might've been both plays that were Anthony Miller had over the 40 yards. I'll say like 26 yards, a little low 31. You're
0: absolutely right. 31. One of those plays weren't even him the Two prior seasons. He, he had a play that was 70 yards from scrimmage in, as a reception in both of those seasons. So just not even halfway there. Um, and I think that's going to be very telling in, in it, we can look at this from a, a, a lens as who's his quarterback to at the beginning of the season might be able to help us target him because uh, you know, I'm expecting if Trubisky is starting um, that, you know, they're going to want to build this guy confidence they're, I don't expect the, the recipe to change any, any way, shape or form for him. They're not going to challenge him with making tough throws off the beginning because that's not going to help his confidence. If he's not making those throws, if he's, you know, uh, thrown interceptions early. So I would expect this to be like a very limited playbook with Trubisky in there if he's starting. And it's, it's going to be pretty much a recipe for disaster. Once we see Foles kind of come in and I say come in because I fully expect at some point, Nick Foles is a starting quarterback for the bears. We just don't know when that's going to be. Um, We'll probably see the playbook get, uh, get expanded a little bit and that will give Foles maybe a few games into the season to kind of learn that playbook a little bit better. So that's the way I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm kind of expecting the, the, you know, the, the running backs to, have more of a role I think early on as far as, uh, but you know, smaller play sizes, you know, I wouldn't expect big plays from either one of those guys early on. Uh, and then as the season progresses, we could probably see Cohen start to break out some more of these 30 yard receptions, 40 yard receptions. These big plays are going to be more viable, but um, I'm with you, man. I am expecting a bounce back year. He's always kind of been a smaller guy that struggled to fumbles. That's not going to change. I think he's got about 10 fumbles in his three years in the <laughs> league so far. So fumble issues are always going to be there for a guy He takes a big hit at five, five, the ball's going to come loose once in a while. Uh, But, you know, I, I I think pretty much hit the, hit the nail on the head with Cohen. There's not much more we can really say about this guy. Uh, You touched on his kick and punt returning. That's a great aspect that we know is going to be a little bit of added bonus when you, when you play a guy like Cohen, Um, you know, he always has that breakaway speed where he can easily take one to the house any given day. So uh, all the other numbers down last season, Um, 3.3 yards uh, per attempt rushing you touched on it this is career low uh, prior to that he was a 4.3 and 4.5 the two previous season Uh, and even if we look at his his catch uh, his catch percentage 76 percent last season where if we look at the year that he made the pro bowl um, 78 percent so and even the yards per target 4.4 last season the previous lowest was his rookie year at five and then his breakout year was eight so a lot of that's going to have to change if if we look to get Tariq Cohen back onto that 2018 season. And, I mean, a lot has to change with this entire Bears offense. So we, I think we can kind of expect that. So we're going to just yeah. go right into receivers, Santino, because I know you're dying to talk about some of these guys. One of yep. them we've both been pretty high on just, I know you very well for the past few years. We're both pretty big Allen Robinson fans, but I'm gonna let you, uh, I'm gonna let you run with this one. Cause I know actually I, maybe I should talk Allen Robinson cause I know you're yeah. high on Miller as well, but I'll let you start off with Allen Robinson. Uh, just a freak of nature. When we talk about his athleticism, six, two guy, uh, 220 pounds. He's almost got, you know, that prototypical perfect receiver build that we're looking for. He's got the speed, he's got the size. He's gonna make it happen in the red zone, but he can also be a deep threat. Um, but he's also never had a comparable quarterback. Uh, that's the, I like Bortles, started. man. Oh man, this poor guy put the year he put up with Bortles is insane. Imagine if he actually just played with a guy like, uh, like I don't even want to say anybody elite necessarily, but you give him the guy, Joe Flacco. Uh, <laughs> and, and he'd probably put up a, another all Pro season. but why don't you take us into what we're kind of expecting from, uh, Allen Robinson, especially now with a new offensive coordinator there.
1: Yeah, so with all the struggles that they had last year, this guy still had uh, – second. he put up his second year over 1,000 yards. He had 154 targets. That's what you're going to want to circle and exclamation point, 154 targets. I can only see that going up. Um, 98 catches. Uh, he's probably going to be around 90, 100 again. Uh, 1147 yards i could you got to see that he's going to get over a thousand yards again and seven touchdowns the seven touchdowns are really good uh, He had seven double digit target games seven double digit target games and a lot of them five of those games say that came one more to, time for us seven double digit target games and five of those games came in the last six games uh when they started playing i've, I've mentioned the end of the season where they started playing uh better uh A lot of that had to do with feeding Allen Robinson. A lot of it had to do with uh, David Montgomery figuring it out. A lot of it had to do with Taylor Gabriel going down. Uh, We'll get to that in a minute with Anthony Miller, but this was his best season since that 1,400-yard Blake Portal season. Um, We all know two years ago, or I don't know how to call it now, maybe it's called three years ago, (laughs) he tore his ACL in that that first game. Uh, Last year was his first year back from that torn ACL, so you – Sometimes players need to adjust, especially when you have a a second year quarterback who wasn't ready to make him that number one wide receiver anyway. But 2018, he was his first year back. He only played 13 games. He started 12 of them, Uh, but he was coming off that torn ACL and it looked bad. And last year he looked healthy. His, his routes were back to very crisp. Yeah. He's a speedster. He's the clear number one wide receiver on this team with that crazy volume. Um, And he, uh, uh, we mentioned Nagy before and how he's an offensive minded coach. He's from the Andy Reed, uh, Andy Reed tree, and they like their number one receivers. They like people like Alan Robinson, a big physical specimen who can run very fast and, and can beat you both in the red zone and down the field. But I mean, this is, this is a number one wide receiver type talent, a uh, top 15 guy. And you're not going to, as we are going to keep, it's a theme in the bears because they played so poorly last year. You're not going to pay a premium on this guy. Uh, if you can get a guy who, can get double-digit targets in almost half of his games, and especially at the end of last season, five in the last six games, that's someone you want to target, and he's not going to be super expensive for you. And he can get in the end zone. He scored in seven of the 16 games last year. Uh, He's just a very safe option for you, and uh, I only expect improvement. With, With improvement on offense comes improvement for this guy. I, I can see another 150 targets, 100 catches, maybe, maybe 1,200 yards this year, um, 7 to 10 touchdowns. I, I expect a very, very good year from this guy as the clear and cut number one option on this team.
0: I absolutely agree with everything you said. I love Allen Robinson. I've been a huge fan of his for years now, uh, just from a pure talent standpoint. I mean, when you talk about how he can only improve, he's coming off of a career low on yards per reception at 117 Um, that's insane considering what this guy can do after the ball's in his hands. Uh, Not a yak guy last season. Only 272 yards came after the catch, averaging 2.8 yards after the catch per reception. Those are just staggering numbers for me. And we've already touched on Trubisky and why it seems like he just very little space. whether it's if the ball's thrown behind you, you can't catch it on the run. There's not going to be a yak. You're going back to the ball, a little button hook type you know, receptions for him. A lot of these are mismanaging and misplay calls. I think for Allen Robinson, when you just look at his stature and his speed and his size, this dude is one of, if not in my opinion, I, you said top 15, I think top 10. Um, I absolutely love Allen Robinson. And if we just can get his numbers back to where they were, and it's just throwing the ball to him in stride, throwing the ball, not over and under throwing the dude, giving the guy the, 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 the capability of making a play. Uh, and he will make it. I mean, we could yeah. be looking at one of those thirteen, fourteen hundred 1,400-yard seasons again um, if if they can actually get the ball in his hands. I mean, his catch percentage, Santino, despite all the, you know, career low numbers I just said, was career high last season. And that just, to me, it says it's staggering considering how many of the bad on-target throws that Trubisky had. <laughs> so he was he was catching 63.6% of the passes thrown to him when we know Trubisky was only 74% of the time on
1: target. So, yeah, there's a lot of room for improvement. 6'2", That's it's yeah, a, a, a big unit.
0: I think you got you and uh, Andrew were just talking about Julio Jones size and how he's the perfect physical specimen. Alan Robinson is not that much different of a bodybuild uh, compared to Julio Jones. I, I'm not saying he's Julio Jones. Uh, I don't think there is another Julio Jones. I think the closest thing to Julio retired a few years ago with Megatron. Uh, but now I, I just from a physical standpoint, he's right there with him. Um, obviously if, if Alan Robinson had, uh, Matt Ryan as his quarterback, we'd probably be looking at 13 to 1400 yards on a regular basis, uh, if he's healthy 10 plus touchdowns. So that's kind of the season I'm anticipating from him, especially if we get the switch of uh, Nick Foles coming in there, we're probably looking at a guy that can easily get double digit touchdowns. Uh, 10 touchdowns, 13 to 1400 yards. I do not think is out of the question close to, uh, you know, 90 to a hundred catches. That's, that's pretty high. Um, I mean, he may not get peppered as much. He's still going to be the go-to number one target, but if they're going to be taking more chances and more deep routes, you got to let these plays develop as they're going on. And he'll probably get a few less targets and receptions, but that's okay. We'll take a few less targets and a few less receptions if we're looking at an extra 250 yards and an extra two to three touchdowns. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly okay with it. So yeah.
1: He's going to continue to play 94% of the snaps. And I want to get him, especially in, in, in DFS before his price jumps up, because I expect a really good season, just as you mentioned. Um, I don't expect him to be priced among the top 10, 15 wide receivers coming into the league or season, especially if Trubisky at that quarterback. Uh, but this guy has the target volume. He has the production and he's, the, as we we're going to keep saying, it, he's the clear cut number one wide receiver. Um, he, Th- those guys are the guys you want to to target early and often uh, before their price jumps up. absolutely. Um, i'm I'm with you,
0: especially because he's we talked about game scripting this bears team several times already on this show, you know, regardless if you if you think they're gonna be up or if you think they're gonna be down, which running back to target? Allen Robinson's the one receiver on this team. You could target week in and week out. I mean, obviously, if they're going against a team uh, necessarily like the Patriots, who had one of the best pass defenses last season, you might not want to. uh, But the targets are going to be there for him every single week. It's not a guy that we're, we need to game script. He's a guy that you can get low owned in a bad matchup and he could still go out there and get eight catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Um, that's perfectly capable. He, he's that type of dude where I don't mind looking at him in bad matchups necessarily. Cause I know I'm going to get him in an extremely low ownership. So, I'm with you, Alan Robinson. He's a top-10 receiver for me going into this season. I'm really looking forward to uh, him just building on to that. That you know, we you touched on it. Injuries have always been a thing for this guy. It's his first healthy season last season since 2016 when he did, uh, you know, dealing with a torn ACL. So, sky's the limit for this guy. Uh, I, I'm 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 really high on him. Uh, Anthony Miller. We're looking at. We're going to be going right back into him um, this 2018 season touchdown machine, uh, and limited sample size. We all kind of came into this season expecting, you know, obviously that to not, you know, I think he had about seven, was it seven touchdowns in 2018, seven or eight? Yep. Seven. And, yeah. So I think that's kind of the look I was kind of, you know, panning out for in 2019 with seven or eight touchdowns with just more, you yards, more receptions, more targets, but keeping around that same touchdown. I mean, we can't expect that him and Allen Robinson are going to be double digit touchdown guys, if, especially if Trubisky's their quarterback. It doesn't, he threw 17 touchdowns last season. You know, seven of those went to Allen Robinson. You know, we got to imagine Tariq Cohen's going to get his. They, they brought over Jimmy Graham. I'm not expecting him to light the world on fire, but we got to be realistic with the expectations that we're going to have for Anthony Miller. So let me hear what you think his expectations are for him uh, as far as yards, touchdowns, everything like
1: that. Um, he had 656 yards last year and he didn't play a lot. I'll get to that. I expect him to push towards 900 yards this year. Uh, six, seven touchdowns at least. Uh, I know you said put realistic expectations on him, but, uh, the first nine games of the season before Taylor Gabriel went down in week 11, he had six games under 60% of the snaps. He only had two in the seventies and that's, that's his high mark in the 70% of snaps. Um, and then, When Taylor Gabriel got hurt in week 11, so from week 11 to week 16, because he also got hurt in in the last week of the season, so we're not going to count that. He only played 27% of the snaps. So from that five, six-week stretch from week 11 to week 16 when Gabriel got hurt and he jumped into starting uh, two wide receiver sets now instead of being off the bench, he had averaged nine targets per game, five and a half receptions, 72 yards a game. And he scored two touchdowns in those six games, uh, three double-digit target games in those six games, and five of those six games he had over 86, 86% or more uh, snaps on offense. So his numbers when he before before when he wasn't really playing, he he there was a lot of talk about him not knowing how to how to run routes, uh, getting in his head, doing a lot of different stuff to where the coaches didn't trust him. But then when Gabriel went down, he had to be trusted. He had to get thrown into the fire. And he was averaging nine targets a game. Three, three half, fifty percent of the games he was averaging double-digit targets. That sounds a little to me like Allen Robinson. I'm not gonna say he's Allen Robinson. I don't expect Allen Robinson numbers, but that sounds like a very, very competent guy to get on the on the cheap as a as a number two option in this offense. Um, he's he's about five eleven, two hundred pounds, speedster. And uh, a guy who, can, who was getting nine targets a game in those, in those six weeks when he was getting that two-receiver role, 70 yards, and he has upside to score touchdowns. I know he didn't come last year, but he has big playability. Uh, that's a guy that I'm looking at a lot, uh, very cheaply, especially if I'm, I'm paying up for some of the bigger guys. This is a guy, in the, especially in the right matchup, he can beat you downfield. Uh, and those two 40-yard plays that we mentioned that the, that the Bears got. Both of them went to Anthony Miller in those last six weeks. Uh, he's the only guy who had a 40-yard play on this team. He's, he's someone who's looked like he had a really bad season last year. But again, the, the Bears played their best, their best ball in, in the last five, six weeks of the season, and he was another guy who was part of that reason. Um, it just clicked for the whole team the last couple of weeks except for one guy, and uh, he plays quarterback.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I was I I like Miller going into last season. I like him going into this season. He's like the perfect guy in DFS. I like the target when everybody else is going to be looking at a guy like Allen Robinson. So those picture perfect matchups where they're going against, let's say, the 27th or 28th ranked pass defense in the NFL those are the matchups I like to target Anthony Miller in because everybody's going to gravitate towards Robinson. He'll be a little lower owned. And you touched on the big play factor is there for him. The targets were there for him towards the end of the season where, uh, you know, you sprinkle that out and in, in Allen Robinson is going to draw a fair amount of double cover. Let's be real. Yeah, we talked about to. him. We talked about him being a physical specimen and being the, you know, the one a there is no one B Miller's good, but he's not a one B to a one a, like mm-hmm. we're talking about Allen Robinson. He's, he's more of a two B not he, I would, I don't, You might be able to get away with saying 2A, um, but, you know, you guys, uh, Andrew, and you were talking about the Falcons where, you know, Julio Jones is a 1A. uh, You know, I I would consider Ridley, you know, he's not necessarily a 1B because Julio is just that much better than him, but he's definitely a 2A. He's definitely like a a great receiver that could be a number one somewhere else. Miller can't be a number one anywhere else, but he's a very comparable receiver and definitely a guy that can benefit with double coverage going to Allen Robinson. So really looking forward to him. And let's be real. They brought in Ted Gidt Jr. We'll get to him in a minute. I'm not going to have many good things to say about him. Um, Mm -hmm. He's played on just about every single team in the NFL at this point and has never really (laughs) been able to put it together other than two big plays per season. So. I, I don't yeah. expect him to draw too many target shares. Uh so I'm I'm with you. I think Miller has a has a very viable opportunity coming into this season, knowing that he's gonna get about eighty percent of the snap shares minimum off of the rip um are gonna be very beneficial for him. So uh, great guy to target, I think he, especially on DK because six catches for
1: he's gonna be what? You know we're probably looking at a guy that's like four K. Yeah, but he's um, gonna maybe, be really cheap. Maybe a little bit more. Yeah. You he's you mentioned Ridley. Cheap. Like I mentioned in the podcast, I think he, he could definitely be the number one wide receiver for a, a handful, 10, 15 teams. He's really good. Uh, this guy won't be your number one, like you mentioned. He, But he's a solid number two wide receiver option. I would prefer him as a three. But being a number two, that means there's a lot more targets to go around. Taylor Gabriel, for some reason, ate a lot of targets. I don't see Ted Ginn doing that. We'll get to him in a minute. And then Cordell Patterson is there, another Big play guy, but he's just scattered. Uh, he's not someone you're going to consistently rely on. They picked Anthony Miller in the second round uh, for a reason, and this is what they want. This They want this guy to be that number two uh, to Anthony – or well, I keep calling him Anthony Robinson. Alan Robinson, I'm getting them both mixed up here. But um, they want him to be that, that number two to him, and he's shown that he can be if given the opportunity and – if he's if his head's in the game because that was a big thing that they were barking at him that's why he wasn't playing so much but he has an upside to be a very good dfs target on the right on the right slate um he has he's shown in his rookie year that he can get in the end zone and he showed when he gets the playing time that he's a he's a big play that can happen
0: and let's just remember um you know for a guy like let's say nick Foles does come in Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, when he was playing with the Eagles, would draw a lot of double coverage. And if we talk about that playoff run that they did have, uh, a lot of the big throws were to the number two guy on that team because Alshon Jeffrey was drawing double coverage. Uh, and that would be Nelson Aguilar, the league leader in drops, pretty much. <laughs> so not a guy that that struggles in his own way. Uh, but it's just it just goes to show, in my opinion, that Nick Foles will make the right decision at the right time. If there is double coverage, he's not going to force it into that. And Anthony Miller will benefit from a guy like that, as opposed to Trubisky, who at this point just is scared for his life while he's in the pocket doesn't want to sit there in the pocket, doesn't want to step up in the pocket to make that big throw, and just wants to get the ball out of his hands as fast as possible to his best target, which is one of the things that bothered Alan Robinson the most. It's, you know, I I love you throwing me the ball, uh, but if you're going to throw it to me, put it in a spot where I I actually have a chance to catch it, and I'm not going to get killed. So um, I think that's a good transition. We can go right into Ted Ginn on this one. We're not going to spend too much time here. Don't buy Ted Ginn. Don't buy into anything about Ted Ginn. Don't play Ted Ginn in DFS unless you're just looking for that GPP shot in the dark kind of play. You know, he's going to have two good weeks out of the 16.
1: Um, And by that, it'll probably be two catches for 87 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. He can still beat defenders uh, downfield. He can still beat them over the top. But relying on that. Is something that maybe you do a couple times, but that's it. I mean, if you do it and it doesn't work out, that's that's fool's gold right there. I, I'm gonna stay away from him as much as possible. Taylor Gabriel's more, he's not a Taylor Gabriel at this point in his career. I think he's Taylor more, Gabriel more good. <laughs> yeah, I mean. It, it, Taylor Gabriel's not great in his own right, and if I think he's better than Ted Ginn, that just says I'm I'm not touching Ted Ginn.
0: And you're and this is a Dolphin fan saying this, you know the the, the guy that you know was dealing with the promise <laughs> early on of this guy being. I mean, let's be real. When he came in, he was supposed to be a big thing. Uh, you know, he had a lot of promise. That speed, it was like, oh man. And and it just goes to show you the Bears getting Cordell Patterson over here to to basically be like he's he's a poor man's Devin Hester at this point, a guy that's crazy athletic, crazy. speed speed where you just wonder what could happen if the ball's in his hands, but then can't play any position. Uh, can't do anything other than just have that breakaway return yeah. speed. So
1: we and the dolphins were, we very upset with the Ted game. We wanted Brady Quinn. It wouldn't have worked out either way. So it, <laughs> it
0: doesn't matter. I think you won that one actually. I think you got, I think, I think was you're talking won. about a flash in the pan, um, you Know and that's just goes to say we're not going to touch on Notre Dame quarterbacks in general. Um, to Sean, Kyle. I we can go on for for, for a while with Notre Dame quarterbacks, but uh, that's for a different conversation, we'll have a different day. Yeah. But yeah, I, I we're just going to pass right by uh, right by Tedkin. Um, you know, hey, if you want to play him in those GPPs, for yeah, you. play if you're going to play him week one in a GPP, play him every week. You might as well commit to it, playing him every single week in one lineup if that's the case. because... That's kind of the logic that you're using when you play a guy like Ted Ginn, because even he could be as open as possible. Uh, He doesn't have a quarterback that's probably going to throw it to him (laughs) and he doesn't have hands that could probably catch it. So (laughs) I'm willing to just kind of let somebody else make the mistake. I'm playing him week in and week out and just, hey, when he has that one big catch, I'll take it to the chin. I'm sure there's seven other guys that week that did the same exact thing. So. We'll slide over uh, to the tight end position, Santino. Another position they bring a new face, a new name, kind of replace. And it's a position that we were expecting a decent amount of work from last season. Going in, Trey Burton was a sleeper on a lot of people's list for DFS for season long. Um, I was actually pretty high on him. You know, we, we've seen some some pretty good flashes when he was over there in Philly, uh, but you know, didn't get it done over there in Chicago. Struggled. Bringing now a downside of Jimmy Graham, a guy that is pretty much. I guess we could say on the the back end of his career, it doesn't look like he's ever going to have those, you know, early on, uh, saints days, even when he had a couple good years over there in Seattle, those are done. He was seeing high volume targets, high volume receptions. Now he's going to an offense that does not spread the ball around that well, does not have a comparable quarterback unless full starts. Um, and you know, are getting maybe what 40, 30% of Jimmy Graham's best at this point. So, You know, he's coming off a year with uh, 60 targets in Green Bay for 38 receptions, only 447 yards and three touchdowns. And that is going with a one of the best quarterbacks in the league, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league, one of the biggest arm strength quarterbacks in the league who also struggled and was desperate for a secondary playmaker outside of Devontae Adams, especially when Devontae Adams was hurt. So. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what we can really expect from Jimmy Graham this season uh, outside of, you know, just a very, very cheap DFS option in the right matchups. He's not a guy that I'm necessarily gravitating towards not looking at him at season long leagues. I think there's just three or four other guys. I keep talking about that show that you and Andrew did. Uh, give me Hayden Hurst over him any day of the week. Um, I, I'd be more than happy to take a guy like that over Jimmy Graham just for pure upside and pure athleticism. Uh, but let me hear what your thoughts on uh, on Jimmy Graham. I'm kind of looking at him almost like Ted Gidno. Like I'm not going to have much to do with him
1: not as bullish as you uh but they do start two tight ends a lot and they their first round well second round pick in this year was was their first pick of the draft was uh of a tight end so we'll see how that happens and Demetrius Harris is there he's going to get some snaps I'd, it's very hard for them to have too many guys DFS worthy in the pass game when the pass game was just the train wreck last year so I'm not totally high on him but um I think he'll start over Cole Komet, They're for, they're the guy that they took in the second. Uh, but he hasn't had 100 targets like you mentioned since leaving New Orleans in 2014. Uh, the last four of the last five years, he was under 700 yards. Uh, for the last five years, he had six touchdowns or less. Um, three of those or three of those years, he had uh, what was it? Two, two and three. Uh, he was bad in Green Bay. In his two years in Green Bay, he had 1,083 total yards, 93 total receptions, and five total touchdowns. He turns 34 in, in November. Uh, he's not going to play a full complement of snaps like he did in, in New Orleans or even in the, the big year he had when he scored 10 touchdowns in Seattle. Um, how much does he have left in the tank? We don't know yet. Uh, he's, he's older. He hasn't had pro- productive years in a while. But he's a, he's a pretty big name, and, and that's going to draw into people, whether for the good or the bad. Um, I know you mentioned Green Bay, and I know he was very bad in Green Bay. But the one thing that I will say about his time in Green Bay is – I know Aaron Rodgers won a second guy, but he Aaron Rodgers has never, ever utilized the tight end position in his career. Uh, that's one thing that when Graham did go there, they said, will Graham, Jimmy change this? Will uh, Aaron Rodgers throw to Jimmy Graham more now that he's on his third Hall of Fame quarterback probably in his career? But um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers still didn't really use him like you you, you might have thought he might have. But that's one thing I'll say to him. Uh, he had two games over five targets last year. His high was nine, and two games over 60 yards. His high was 65. Just not productive. And I don't know if it was the system and Aaron Rodgers' prefer- preferredness to use, throw to tight ends or uh, throw to wide receivers and running backs, or just Jimmy Graham has nothing left in the tank anymore. I'm not trying to pay up and find out if he has anything left in the tank. But if there's still something, I mean, I wouldn't be totally shocked. But then again, like I mentioned, there's only so many mouths to feed in an offense that's not elite, and we know that we both like David Montgomery to get his. get his. We both like Allen Robinson to get his. I like Anthony Miller to get his. Tariq Cohen's still there. How much is left for Jimmy Graham to really eat? Uh, Ted Ginn's going to get a couple here and there, big plays. Cordell Patterson has a couple big plays in him a year. Um, they have multiple tight ends that they're going to play. There's really not much for Jimmy Graham here. So I'm going to leave him out, but I mean he's some guy that if he shows a, a good connection with Foles or Trubisky, that maybe I'll squeeze him in in a, in a tightrope when I have no money left over and I have to squeeze a tight end in. But for the 90% of the time, I'm, I'm going to leave him out there.
0: Yeah, and I, I'll be, I'll, I mean, this is probably going to be a little bit of a hot take, but some people might not view it. I wouldn't be shocked if Cole Komet finishes with more yards than him this season, even as a rookie. Um, I mean, just talking from a pure athleticism standpoint, um, they're high on Komet. There's a reason why they took him in the second round. Um, he's hes athletic freak. I mean, you should like this portion of him, but he actually turned down a chance to play for the White Sox. So he, he's an athletic <laughs> guy. He could have played baseball as well. I know you like your football players that could have played baseball, given the fact that, you know, you like the shorter quarterbacks a little the infield guy. Guys, a little bit more uh, middle infield guys. But uh, he's, he's got he's got comps to Rob Gronkowski, this kid. He's eventually going to be their tight end of the future. So I'm not yeah. expecting too much from Jimmy Graham. It looks like it's almost like a point where it's a he's a veteran placeholder that might just be able to show this new athletic pass catching tight end a few tricks because Jimmy Graham was never known for a blocker either. He's actually always been pretty poor at
1: blocking. No, so, um, he, he could be not, a red zone option. Uh, he's a yeah. he's still a big guy, and that's probably his main role. Like, but yeah, you can't expect too much from him from in between the 20s. Mm-hmm. I like I like Komet too, but they, all three of right. them, if if they're all going to be splitting gear or splitting snaps, him, Harris, and and Graham, you can't really rely on a tight tight end's a wasteland for the most part anyway. If you're splitting snaps with three people, uh, it's just very hard to trust you on a week to week basis.
0: Yeah, I think you said it perfectly on that other show the other day. There's usually about five guys every single season that are, you know, in the upper echelon of of a tier. And then, you know, when you look at that 6 through 10 range, there's usually one or two guys you can see, you know, that wouldn't shock you if they finished in that top five, if they, you know, kind of uh, usurped somebody in that top five. Um, Jimmy Graham's not that guy. Uh, He's going to probably be outside of the top 14 or 15 ranked tight ends, I think, when the season's said and done. And then you'll probably see one or two games where he has a little flash in the pan where he has a good fantasy season. And, you know, I'm not going to be sitting here trying to dissect and try to guess on when those games are because there's no, you know, maybe if you want to take a shot him against the Cardinals, you touched on that. I think I've said that several times, them being the worst team against tight ends last season where, you know, and DFS, we could just pretty much circle the Cardinals. And hey, if you don't want to spend up on a guy, go for the guy going against the Cardinals, probably score. Yeah. Uh, so outside of that, though, not really looking at him. And, you know, we'll transition that, I guess, uh, you know, we can go right into the, to their defense before we touch on the young kids. Uh, we already said enough, I think at nausea about the defense. So we're both expecting a little bit of a bounce back season. Um, it, you know, I, I know you wanted to touch changes, on a few, though. yeah, I was yeah. going to say,
1: I know you wanted to touch on a few guys that they lost. So why don't you jump right into that? So they, uh, they lost Leonard Floyd. They got, they released him and they brought in Robert Quinn. I mean, Floyd was hurt last year a little bit too. I think that's a pretty even trade off right there yeah. if you, in the grand scheme of things. Uh, they lost Prince Amukamukamukamuora, I love saying that name, uh, and they brought in Artie Burns from Pittsburgh, and they drafted uh, Jalen Johnson, uh, one of their, their, their uh, I think, in the second round, their second pick in the second round. i, I got to stop you quick. Who's the real prince,
0: though? I know it's two different sports. Is it, is it Luke Richard Manamute? or is it <laughs> Prince Amukamukamukamukamuora? I think it's Prince Fielder, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the Prince of Hot Dogs. I love it. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a uh, Artie Burns is not bad, and if, if the kid Johnson can come in and play, that's not a terrible trade-off. Um, I I still think Prince a little bit better, but it's not too far. Of, it's kind of like Robert Quinn and and Floyd. I think it's a pretty even trade-off there. Uh, but the biggest loss that for them is they lost, haha, Clinton Dix. I just wanted so to say it forward, like that. <laughs> uh, they lost Clanton Dix, and now Deion Bush, uh, their young guy, is going to have to step into that role. But Clanton Dix is one of the better safeties in the league uh, wherever he's been, and that's that's probably the biggest downgrade that they have on the team. Uh, we saw Trey Burton flip to multiple tight ends. Taylor Gabriel flipped to an older version of himself. Um, Kyle Long and Coward are probably a Fetty now, which is – an upgrade. Floyd to Quinn, Amukamora to them. Clinton Ha Clinton Dix is probably the biggest loss that they had this year. And uh, we'll see if that keeps their elite of our defense intact uh, in the passing game. But I mean they still have Kyle Fuller, they still have um, they still have Khalil Mack and they still have other superstars where this is not a defense that I want to actively target.
0: Yeah, no, they're not. It's going to be a very matchup dependent. We talked about their secondary being their, their strong focal point of their defense last season and definitely losing uh ha ha Clinton Dixon. Like you said, they didn't really replace him in the draft. They didn't go out there and take a safety in the draft. Uh, you know, we've seen him take a quarterback in the second round with Jalen Johnson. Uh, and, you know, sometimes we see some of these corners kind of transition to a safety if need be, um, but not something you generally want to do with a guy that's a rookie. Um, and, you know, I don't see Fuller going anywhere with, you know, the way that he plays. He's just an absolute stud. So definitely an area of concern that we can look at and, you know, talking about a team that struggled with takeaways as is um safeties yeah. are usually one of the guys that we're looking to kind of come up with at least you know three to four interceptions per season so that's definitely gonna be an area of concern for them. but um it's gonna be very matchup dependent for me i'm expecting their defense to definitely take uh you know a turnaround from last season but i don't think we're gonna go back to 2018 where they went 12 and 4 that's why i think when we look at this bears expectations coming in this season i think 10 and 6 maybe 9 and 7 is exactly where i have them placed and I, I think that's a very realistic expectation just because uh, uh, you know they're right in the middle from that that 12 and 4 season. Yeah. When we look at their offense and their defense, it's right there. Um, a little bit of a step down, but it's not it's not terrible.
1: It's not. We're not talking about the Panthers like I was the other day. Um, their their linebackers are really good. Um. So, and absolutely. then they have that number one cornerback, um, Akeem Hicks, in the middle. Uh, it, it's a very good defense that you don't want to actively target, but um, if you have to, you're not going to be intimidated to go against them like you were a couple years ago where would you rank their defense so we had them
0: let's say going into 2019 they were ranked one let's be real i don't care who you are you yeah. probably weren't going out on a limb to say the bears weren't the best ranked defense so i think going into this season they're obviously not going to be ranked one um but do top you think 10. they're top 10 yeah i was going to say probably right yeah. around that eight to, mean-
1: 8 to 11 uh, Khalil Mack can disrupt the entire offense by himself. Uh, they still have Danny Trevathan, Rokon Swift. we mentioned Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, uh, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson. Artie Burns isn't bad. This this is still a very star-studded defense. And then they drafted. We'll get to the draft picks, but Travis Gibson. I think he's gonna he might start at D end. Uh, he's an upgrade there. This is a, still a very good defense. It's not the a superstar defense that was running over everybody in the league when um, the the Raiders were getting made fun of with that Khalil Mack trade, but it's still a defense that I really don't want to target unless I have to and unless it's just okay. I can't I can't pass up this guy right here. Uh, you can mm-hmm. still probably run on them like we mentioned. They, they gave up a lot of rushing touchdowns. Um, maybe more passing because uh, Clinton Dix isn't there and he's he's one of their big play um, guys, but. It's still not a defense that I'm going to actively want to go against unless I see them just fall off the face of the earth in the first couple of weeks and then I say okay maybe um, we can't attack them like this
0: absolutely and uh, we we we've seen that throughout the years that you know Everybody has a, a, a you know, a, a chain link in their armor that's a little bit weaker, um, you know, areas that we could focus on. You might have one of the top defenses, but there's usually, you know, whether it's a one corner that you can pick on, whoever it may be. And that may be the option that we take with the, the Bears because mm. we know Fuller is still going to be lights out and he's going to be shuts out. There's no doubt about it. He's going whoever he's on is going to have a tough day generally. So looking on the other side of the ball. Um, looking at a rookie, or, you know, looking at another guy might be the way that we can kind of uh, attack this Bears defense, and I think that's probably the route I'm going to take. Is maybe looking at the number two receiver going against the Bears. Um, you maybe you're, you know, your Anthony Miller-esque type receiver going against the Bears. Maybe it's Calvin Ridley going against the Bears. Whatever it is, like that slot Those receiver are the types guys against
1: bust their screen. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a great, that's yeah. a great call, absolute great call. Especially if you're looking at a team like you know the Rams that they can get away with the way that they use like their slots and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Um, I'm really looking forward to talking about um, their their 2020 draft. And it's simply because I think a lot of people were kind of shocked. And I don't know. I wanted to take your take. Are you a little shocked that they went in there with two second round picks? I was actually anticipating that they were going to trade up uh, just to kind of get into that first round, but they didn't. They were happy with where they were. They took, we've already talked about Cole Komet, so we won't beat him to a dead horse. Uh, But, you know, Chris Sims compared this dude to Gronkowski. There's a lot of comps to Gronkowski. They're expecting big things from him. He's athletic. Um, Probably not going to have an immediate overall great impact, but a guy that we'll probably be talking about at this time next season that we're pretty excited about. So we'll go into uh, Jalen Johnson, cornerback out of Utah. Uh, What are your thoughts on him? Uh,
1: Immediate impact player, or we're probably going to see him more as a depth type of guy. Uh, I like this kid, but again, they have Kyle Fuller's locked in right there. Uh, they brought in Artie Burns, and they have Buster Screen, who's all right. Um, so I, I see him being either the, the third or fourth corner. Um, maybe at one point he could t- overtake Artie Burns, but they don't need him this year to um, be that number one corner. They don't even need him to be the number two corner. Um, we'll see how he if he's good in the slot he could he could take that number three job or it's pretty much a starting job now the slot cornerback uh, in today's day and age so uh, I think he's going to play fairly consistently Uh, you need at least four corners to be a very good pass defense but uh yeah I, I think this kid's good they just don't need him to be a superstar in year one
0: yeah, absolutely. And that's that was kind of my take
1: going on to him. Um you usually see
0: a lot of those second, third round. If you're if you're starting a corner, you're taking him in the first round. That's generally been the take. Like the first round corners are the guys that we see be the immediate impact. Otherwise we see these other guys just be that depth position. Um and he may be one of those guys, you touched on him. He's good. He's very, very good. He's crazy athletic. He's played multiple positions throughout his high school, college career. So I, I can see this dude being one of those guys that if somebody has, something happens at safety and they need somebody, he, you know, that could be the way that he finds
1: himself on the field. Yeah. He, I mean, Deion Bush has been there for a few years. If he's not up to it, maybe, maybe Jalen uh, squeaks over there. Now
0: going into their, uh, you know, cause they're round five pick cause they didn't have a third, they didn't have a fourth. We saw them trade their fourth round pick for Nick folds, but you talked about him already. They're edge rusher out of Tulsa, uh, Travis Gibson. Um, you said you're excited about this kid. Let me hear why. I,
1: I just think he's he's probably going to take Bilal Nichols' starting job very or soon. Uh, this kid could rush the passer. He's a pretty good – he's a big unit. Um, I just think he's one of those guys that uh, – he, he got picked later. or He got in the fifth round. I think it was what, 155th overall. Uh, he's, he's just a guy that I, I think will mesh well with this defense um, and to do what he needs to do. I mean there's superstar linebackers all over the place. I mean – I mean, not a superstar, but Barcavius Mingo is not even going to start on this team and former first rounder. Uh, I think he's going to fit very well Gibson in this team. And you're, you're next to Eddie Goldman, Hakeem Hicks, Khalil Mack. You're going to be like one-on-one. They're, they're going to have to put two people on Mack for the most part. Hakeem Nix is a is a beast in the middle. This guy's going to have all the opportunity in the world to be able to do what he does if he gets this job. And um, I, I think i I'm very excited to see what he can do.
0: Yep. um, I'm with you. Honestly, I'm not going to say and act like I know a ton about the guy because I generally don't. That's why I wanted to get your take on him. I know I read some little, um, some little articles, you know, when I was doing some research about how like, you know, Von Miller helped him kind of, you know, improve his game a little bit. And I mean, that just says something. If a guy like, you know, Von Miller is probably notoriously one of the nicest mean guys in the Mm -hmm. league. Uh, You know, we, we touched on that with some of our guys from our season long league, just calling somebody a nice guy. I can't. Now it's sort of slipped my mind who you call the nice guy last show that I was going to you know, break your stones about for quite some time. But I'll have to go back and listen to that one. But, you know, uh, you know, getting a guy like Von Miller, that's you know, be able to work with you. He, these guys don't work with just anybody. Um, you know, they, they, if they see something, if they see a guy that they, they're expecting to make a splash, those are the guys that they kind of want to work with. So that's just a little telling. So we'll go to their other round five pick, a guy that was only taken, about not, uh, what was it about eight, nine spots later, uh, Kendall Vildor cornerback out of, uh, Georgia Southern. Um, I don't know much about this kid, to be honest, I'm not going to sit here and act like I do. Do you know, do you know anything about him? Is he anything
1: special? Or is he just simply a depth guy? Not too much, but again, I mean, if Jalen Johnson is not, might not start out of the gate at cornerback. I can't expect him to start. Uh, they, they're they pretty well adept there, so I think he's just more of a depth option, especially in his first year. All right, and then we'll keep going on to their other
0: fifth-round pick. So they had three picks in the fifth round. Darnell Mooney, speedster out of Tulane. Um, guys got quick. He's got breakaway speed. Seems like he's a nice yards after the catch a yak guy. We always love our yak guys. I just don't see how this guy's going to get on the field too much knowing that they just brought in uh, a guy like Ted Ginn to basically play a very similar type role with him. Um, we've already touched on Alan Robinson being the mouth to feed Anthony Miller is going to get his, and then we also have Tariq Cohen. So not a guy I expect to necessarily, uh, make a splash this season, any way, shape or form, but he might be a guy that makes himself a name in training camps. Uh, if we have a preseason, we could see him make a couple splashes in preseason. And he might
1: be a name to, you know, keep an eye on in the future. Um, yeah. sort of thing. I wouldn't be surprised if he took, um, ginn or patterson's job I'm, I'm assuming not right out of the gate because it's the veteran veteran way uh, but this guy is explosive he was explosive in college one thing he did pretty much like a ted ginn he struggled with drops but he can turn uh short throws into touchdowns uh, like few others did in college uh, uh quite a few big plays um but again there's not enough mouths to feed on an offense that's not great so it's it's very hard to look at um Depth options on a, on an offense when they're not going to be among the league leaders in scoring.
0: Yeah, you could take a look at some of these uh, some of these other guys like on teams. If we're talking about you know the Packers with a high-powered offense, or talking about the Saints with a high-powered offense, and you know the Chiefs, for instance, like you know we see guys like Miko Hardman. That if you were coming into the season where you're expecting Miko Hardman to be a you know big part of this offense, some people would have said, yeah, I expect to make some big plays, but he really came out and showed that you know just being like a third or fourth option on a high-powered offense, you could still be an effective DFS yeah. and season-long provider for fantasy. So. Uh, this isn't one of those types of offenses, is what we're getting <laughs> at here, guys. It's not. It's not. They have too many mouths to feed where somebody's going to. Yeah. Oh, and then I touched on uh, how they really needed to improve on um, pass protection. Uh, and on their overall line in general. And this is kind of where they chose to do so, which was in the last seventh round of the draft. Yeah. Back to back picks, 226, 227. They took two guards, Arlington Hambright out of Colorado. And then Larchavius Simmons out of Tennessee State. I wish they actually really addressed this earlier on. Um, you know, I've touched on, touched on Montgomery. He's a guy that I'm really excited about. And I, I really think he can make some big things happen but they need protection. They need to give Trubisky more time in the pocket and that may be partially due to his own fault and just being a little scared girl. But um you know, this isn't the way that they should have did it. I mean they basically went back to back picks at guard and when you take when you do that you're just basically throwing your you're throwing a dart at a dartboard with your eyes closed saying I hope one of these guys pans out to be something decent. But um what do you have yeah. on these two guys? Um any one of them stand out over
1: the other to you? No I don't think either of them are gonna start. Um... On a line that wasn't great last year, and they're not going to come in and start. Uh, like you said, I think I would have liked them to pick guard, tackles, um, offensive linemen in general earlier in the draft if possible. I know they only had two second rounders and then they didn't pick again till the fifth. But uh, a team that struggled in run run blocking and pass protection, you would have liked them to help out this young quarterback for his last chance and this young uh, running back and this young, this offense in general, because the defense was playing its part, even though they weren't getting the takeaways that they did two years ago. Uh, but I mean, I guess it is what it is now. They didn't bring anybody really in uh, to help out besides uh, <clears throat> Fetis either or, but I think it's going to be a, a line that struggles a- again this year.
0: Yeah. it's And That may be the unfortunate part for David Montgomery. And that's kind of, you know, what I'm taking. I'm not expecting him to be a guy that, you know, leads the league in yards. But I expect the touchdown total to be pretty high for him. And it's just because of volume, more or less. The line's not going to do him any favors, necessarily. He's going to have to kind of make stuff happen for his own. And it's not easy when you're a guy that, you know, has 4'6", 40 speed. You know, he's not that breakaway guy. He's used to just, you know, making good solid cuts, making reading the hole very well and just being a good running back himself not relying on athleticism which is good long term that's what we're looking for I mean we've seen some of the best running backs of all time not be guys that ran four twos or four threes but necessarily guys that ran like a four or five so yeah. um, you but know it, it's it's tough, it's tough one thing him, uh,
1: Bill Lazar has shown that he can create really really good um, top 10 rushing offenses in this league with the way that he he run blocks and the schemes that he uses so I mean if he can work with these guys and, and improve on that, it just only helps David Montgomery in from that aspect.
0: Yeah. And I'm with you. I kind of, you know, I would have rather them seen you take, this was a loaded offensive line class. I mean, yeah. let's be real. It was loaded. They could have gotten a guy, you know, where J where they took Jalen Johnson 50th overall that had a first round grade. That was like a guy that slipped or a guy that could have arguably been taken, you know, top 20th, top 24th, whatever it may be. And they opted to take two corners before they even took a first guard and you know, that's basically saying to me, like, okay, let's let Trubisky get killed so we have the excuse that we can just get him out of there anyway, because <laughs> I think that's where the front office is kind of looking. But, uh, I mean, that's it, man. That's it. That's the Bears. The Bears. The bears. bears. Broken down. So fun to say, man. I, I love Caliendo. All of his skits we talked about Gruden <laughs> already. He, he's, he's such a tease. John Madden's are hilarious. The guy's a genius. Tell you what, man. But uh, that's all we got for you guys right there. So, Uh, You know, we we, I think we did a pretty good job, Um, you know, quick little snapshot if you're just, you know, fast forwarding to the last five minutes of the podcast. Three or four guys we're going to really be targeting in DFS, depending on the matchups, uh, as far as, you know, run schemes, passing schemes, if they're going to be trailing, if they're going to be ahead, is going to be the main indication of who we're targeting on this team. Allen Robinson's an absolute stud. Mitchell Trubisky stinks. Uh, this will be, <laughs> am, I, am I doing the right job? Foles will be the starter at some point. We like David Montgomery. Santino thinks Anthony Miller is going to, you know, have a pretty solid year as a number two receiver. And then I eventually think that Cole Komet's going to be a tight end. That's a household name eventually for us. but. Uh, quick rundown, if you want to give a shout-out real quick, Santino, where can we find you on Twitter?
1: You can find me at, at Santino Cacon, that's at S-A-N-T-I-N-O-C-A-C-C-O-N-E. Absolutely, you can find me at Mike Apatria,
0: M-I-K-E-A-P-O-T-R-I-A, and if you haven't already, uh we're locking all accounts we're freezing all accounts so you can join right now you're not going to get charged but come join our discord we're having some nice competitions some games a few contests that we do every single day that tend to be pretty competitive amongst our group of guys and then uh you know new little addition we got ourselves a little store santino we got some nice merch that you guys can take a look at uh some comfy stuff i highly recommend you guys some serious swag and as you can tell, we're probably not two guys that have much swag ourselves. Um, so yourself, just try- man.
1: <laughs> oh God,
0: dude, you got zero swag. You got, you have literally no swag. Um, I I can probably do an hour long podcast on how little swag you have, considering you used to steal half my wardrobe when we were younger, Santino. I know you're gonna put up a fight against this. Uh, but I used to have to like, you know, put a padlock on my t shirt drawer when this kid would come over. But uh, you know, I know I know I know
1: he's right now he's biting uh, his tongue There's so many yeah, things. I'm, I'm just gonna to let say. you let you say what you gotta say. And just <laughs> I know the truth. But uh yeah. do you man, keep going. Yeah, uh, You know. <laughs> we will leave the truth
0: we'll leave the truth uh for our listeners to you know imagine and and, and guess with but I, I, let's be real. I know what you want to say. So, <laughs> but uh, that, that's all we really have for you guys. I mean, we'll be we'll be back tomorrow. I'll be back on uh, with my good buddy Shane, breaking down the Vikings. Really excited to talk about the Vikings. One of my favorite teams. I've, I always called them kind of my secondary favorite team because one of the, before I was really a, a Panther fan, I was a Randy Moss fan. And I, I, he was one of my favorite players to watch growing up. So I used to always love watching Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Dante Culpepper. Excited to talk about the new team tomorrow. Santina's falling asleep over there on me. So uh, uh, we will let you guys get out of here. We really do appreciate it. If you guys can give us a thumbs up, a rating, a review, uh, anywhere podcasts can be listened and found. And even video now that we're doing this over there on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. You can get a little alert every time we put out a podcast. So we greatly appreciate that. And then uh, if you guys can hit us up on iTunes with a nice five stars, that means a lot to us as well. Uh, It lets us know know where we can improve and what we're doing right so we can keep doing it right for you guys. Um, you know, I am sure we'll kinda of get a few in there probably saying one star tell Santino to cut that man bun. You know, that comes with the territory. We understand that, but if there's something that we could get better at, we want to know. Uh that's all we have for you, Santino. Anything you'd like to leave us on? I know that you're probably I, I had to take my jabs at the end right before we were getting off air because I knew that you got plenty of ammo to come back at me with.
1: Yeah, no, I'm a gentleman, so I'm not gonna not gonna <laughs> come back at you. <laughs> But um, yeah, re- remember the the charity Mamba on three. It's coach's favorite charity. Uh, if you guys, I know it's crazy times now. Uh, but if you have anything, if you have anything you can donate, uh, please donate to that. And um, yeah, that, that's it. I'm I'm not gonna pull an Apatra and be be rude to people. I'll just I'll just sit here and I'll, and take it and and know my truth. <laughs>
0: yep. Yep. All right, we'll edit on that one there guys I'm sure there'll be jabs and other shows coming my way <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's why I'm getting them out now because I know Santino does I'd usually do my shows mostly on the weekend because of my weekday work schedule so there's plenty of opportunities for him to take shots at me during the week so I got to get him in on the weekend but that's <laughs> that's all we have for you guys thank you for listening again I'll be back with Shane tomorrow to break down some Vikings uh as always guys stay safe uh let's you know hunkered down and get through this all together mamba on three and mamba vitality has been kind of getting us through with dfs coach talk so um oh i forgot the biggest portion of our news, santino we're providing kbo lineups um and we've been pretty successful over here santino being a major force in that andrew and then coach kind of leading the charge on our kbo lineup so um you know we are providing them and as of right now you can join and get those kbo lineups for free Your membership is frozen until the major three sports, MLB, NFL and NBA kick back off and you can get all that content, lineups and information from us for no charge. So something to take advantage of. And hey, you know, try us out, maybe using some KBO, see how we do in a sport that we don't really research too often that now we're kind of thrown into. And you'll have a good idea how we're going to do in the sports that we are uh, undividedly get our attention, put a ton of research into. So thank you, guys. We'll catch you later.